Well, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Stump Plane Podcast. Folks, I'm very happy to be back with you recording on Sunday the 20th, uh, the first day of spring, actually. So, everybody, it is officially spring 2022. Very happy to be back and uh, recording our first ever po- spring podcast. I guess. So everybody, today is our final episode of Military Trainers slash Aerobatic Aircraft Month 2022 here on this podcast. Um, but, uh, everybody, we're going to be talking about some uh, some cool uh, cool aircraft on here I've been wanting to talk about for a, a little while now. And um, yeah, so before we get to that, uh, I'm uh, going to be starting recording something on... Um, Maybe next week or on Monday, maybe like Tuesday, Wednesday. So everybody, uh, yeah, I'm gonna record something related to, um, uh, yeah. Uh, if it's gonna be a surprise, I'll tell you when I'm done recording it. I'll have to just edit and recording such editing. It's gonna take a little while. So everybody, today we're gonna be talking about the Ryan PT22 recruit. This is a primary trainer during World War II, and it is a one of an awesome aircraft. Um, has a lot of cool um, stuff right there, and uh, yeah. So everybody, we're gonna play the interview with uh, the commemorative Air Force. It's a long, um, it's a 59-minute video. I'm gonna try to uh, stop it and probably like the when it gets close to the end or skip to the end and like the middle part. So everybody, um, I'll see you. We'll talk to you guys on the backhand in 59 minutes. Hope you enjoy. Webinar for this evening. I'm your host Steve Buss, and we're so glad that you could join us tonight. This webinar series is made possible by the Commemorative Air Force, and you can support CAF through membership or donations. For details on how you can support CAF's mission to educate, inspire, and honor, please visit our website, commemorativeairforce.org. Now, joining me tonight from the CAF Razorback Wing is Jeremy Lashbrook. He's the executive officer of the wing, and uh, we're continuing our series on the featured 12 planes of Christmas. This is our final one. We're almost out of uh, the month of December, but uh, we still have to sneak in and and talk about the Ryan PT-22 recruit. So, Jeremy, uh, welcome to the uh, webinar. Well, thanks, uh, Steve. I'm uh, glad to be here. Uh, I'm a big fan of the webinars. I've even got a slide that I'm going to use to prove that to you. And uh, we're really proud to have the Razorback Wing PT-22 involved this year. And, uh, last, but uh, certainly not least. No. That's right. Well, Jeremy, tell us a little bit about your background and how you uh, got involved in aviation and in CAF. Sure, Steve. Yeah, um, I was pretty fortunate. I grew up in an aviation uh, family. I'm a third-generation uh, pilot. But uh, the, the main thing that affected me was when I was in high school, I joined the uh, Arkansas Army National Guard. They sent me to uh, flight training for helicopters initially, and then later on into airplanes. Um, I became a full-time National Guardsman, did that for uh, over 20 years, and then uh, retired now a EMS helicopter pilot for a hospital uh, here in the city. But I've always had my hand in uh, general aviation and uh, been around warbirds. And, uh, pretty lucky to, uh, to have the opportunities to fly some pretty neat airplanes over the years. Well, great. And uh, we were talking before we uh, before we came on the air that uh, you've, you're a short-time member, just a, a several years uh, with the CAF, but you've really kind of dove in headfirst and uh, got involved not only with the Razorback Wing and the PT-22, but uh, with uh, the 
Wasp Squadron and the B-29, B-24 Squadron as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that's to all just uh, just sheer luck. Um, I was uh, at a fly-in a few years ago um, over in Conway, Arkansas. The uh, B-24 was there one of its last seasons. It was touring before it went down for a little while, but uh, it was there. Uh, we had just started the Razorback wing back up. We didn't have an airplane yet, but I was over there and just happened to sit down uh, to lunch and uh, sat next to uh, Al Benzing, who is a, a great guy and certainly a champion for the uh, Commemorative Air Force. And he and I started talking and... Um, the rest is just history from there. Uh, he was able to help me get into the B-24, B-29 squadron and get checked out in a couple of airplanes and toured with them for a couple of seasons, and it's been wonderful. They're a great group of people. Well, let's get into the details of uh, tonight's uh, airplane, the Razorback Wings uh, PT-22. Uh, tell us a little bit about the background on, on the PT-22. Sure. Um, so a couple things. The... Um, the uh, PT-22 was designed in the 30s, actually, uh, by Ryan Aeronautical. Uh, of course, everyone's probably heard the term about, uh, heard of Ryan Aeronautical before. They are the ones that built the Spirit of St. Louis that uh, Charles Lindbergh flew across the uh, Atlantic Ocean. So they were, uh, uh, San Diego, California is where Ryan uh, was located. They, uh, they had a civilian airplane that they had built during the 30s called the Ryan ST, which stood for a sport trainer. Mostly looked the same as, as the PT-22 that we see today, except that it had a, uh, a Manasco engine, an inline engine, uh, didn't have a radial, uh, didn't have swept wings, and had some pretty big fairings over the landing gear. It was really a beautiful airplane. There's still a few of them around, and they're, they're really neat. But um, the the military was looking for a more, I'll say, advanced primary trainer than uh, what they had during the time frame. Uh, something a little bit different than the the Stearman. Um, so the um, the Ryan uh, initially produced what was called the PT sixteen, which was um, basically the PT twenty two with the Manasco engine on it. Uh, pretty small horsepower, and it really wasn't very high performance at all. So through some modifications and um, some design changes, they installed the uh, Kenner radial engine, the R540 initially, which is about 155 horsepower engine. Uh, due to some CG issues with that, they had to sweep the wings back uh, just a little bit to, to modify the airplane to make it work. Uh, the 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 Ryan PT series, we'll say the PT-16, 21, 22, they were the uh, military's very first monoplane, you know, single wing uh, airplane that uh, the uh, military ever used as a trainer. So kind of neat history of it there. They were mostly uh, at military bases out on the West Coast, uh, mostly California, and the majority of them were in uh, Visalia, California, which is where the Razorbacks uh, PT-22 was was based at. Um, not a high-performance airplane, not really a real fast airplane. They uh, cruise about 100 to 110 miles per hour, and uh, there are about a 1,000 of them built, uh, still still a few of them left. Um, 
they had a little bit of a bad reputation uh, due to the swept wing design. Uh, when the uh, when the PT stalls, it does have a tendency to spin. So picked up a bad reputation over the years. Some say it's deserved. Some really say it was not deserved. That uh, you know, you had, at that time you had had young people flying the airplane that didn't have a lot of flight time. And, um, the the theory is if the airplane is is flown correctly, it's uh, it's really a safe airplane to fly so they're, it's really a great machine and we're very lucky to have it in the Razorback wing Elon Musk is about to shock the world and it could mean big things for investors who make their move right now I'll explain you know Elon Musk the richest person in the world the prolific entrepreneur who founded Tesla and SpaceX the engineering maven whose pet projects include underground tunnel highways and merging the human brain with a computer Pretty hard to argue that he's not a real genius. Surprisingly, though, most people still don't know about Musk's next project, something known as SAV. SAV is his most ambitious project yet, and I'm confident that anyone who gets in today will have a chance to make a fortune. And that is because Musk isn't the only one pouring money into this megatrend. Jeff Bezos is in for $10 billion. Warren Buffett is going even bigger. He's in for $15 billion. And get this. BlackRock, the world's biggest asset manager, said they're planning to invest $1.2 trillion into this megatrend. We're talking about a lot of money here. And right now, there is still an opportunity for everyday folks to make a move. And here is how. Silicon Valley insider Jeff Brown has identified a small company that supplies components to Elon that are critical to the success of his SAV project. Anyone who buys shares of this company today has a chance to ride this $30 trillion megatrend to incredible returns. Jeff has just released a short video in which he explains everything you need to know about Elon's secretive supplier, and he even does a demo of this new technology in action. Jeff's video is completely free to watch. Click the button below this video now for immediate access. Now, there's no telling how much longer this project is going to remain off the mainstream radar, but if Elon mentions it in a tweet, the cat will be out of the bag. The window to get in early will be closed forever. Elon's been tweeting a lot lately, so I wouldn't take my chances waiting. Right now, the window is still open, so you've got time to act. Click the button below this video and watch Jeff's presentation. I spent 25 years researching men living to 110 or 120, and I discovered one food these men who are 110 or 120 years are eating, one food that I am eating now every day for the rest of my life to hopefully live to age 110 or 120 myself. Stanislaw Kowalski, he still runs races. He's 110 years old. Orville Rogers, 99, runs marathons. Magomed, 121 years old, still grows and eats his own food. These men all eat this one food, even though the so-called gurus will tell you it's bad for you. Remember Yul Gibbons, the outdoors fanatic made famous in the cereal commercials? Gibbons avoided this one food. He only lived to a young age 64. Nathan Pritikin, one of the most famous health food gurus ever. He avoided this one food, and he only lived to age 69. And here's one. Robert Atkins, 
all-time best-selling diet book author. He avoided this one food, and sadly, Dr. Atkins, he didn't make it past the young age of only 72. So, who would you rather copy? Men like Stanislaw Kowalski running races of 110, Orville Rogers, 99, running marathons, Magomed at 121 years old, still growing and eating his own food, or these men who sadly were very young when they passed, despite being supposed gurus. So, I don't know about you, personally, I plan to live to age 120. So, if you're like me, you can choose who to pay attention to. You can listen to these gurus, or you can do what I'm doing in accord with my book, my new book, Healthy to 120, and the 25 years of research based on men who are 100, 110, or 120. If you really would like to join me and try to live life until age 120 with a happy and healthy physical and spiritual life, click on the link. Get my book for free today with a little shipping and handling if you don't mind, if you can help me out there. Thank you so much. God bless you and your family. And as I say to everyone, I'll see you at 120. So part of our... Um our reason of being in the 12 planes of Christmas this year is to raise some money for new avionics. The Razorback Wing, we're currently based in uh, North Little Rock, Arkansas, which uh, fortunate for us is an uncontrolled, or we'll call it non-towered field, but uh, we're right, but right up but right up next to uh, Little Rock uh, Adams Field, which is a class Charlie airspace, which requires a good radio and uh, transponder with mode C and ADS-B to get in. Uh, also, the Little Rock Air Force Base, just north of us, um, requires a radio to get in and out of. So, we, as you see, that's that's our, our high-speed avionics that we currently have in the uh, Razorback PT-22 which is just an old KX-170B radio, which uh, really doesn't work all that great. Of course, it's an open cockpit, so uh, it's always a challenge to hear the radio in there. So we're uh, trying to raise uh, some money for some new avionics, uh, definitely new radio, uh, to keep the airplane operating a little bit safer in the environment that, uh, that we're in here in Arkansas. Uh, another thing that we're trying to budget for here in the Razorback Wing is going to be an overhaul of our engine. So kind of an interesting part of the PT-22, uh, that Kenner engine, they're pretty rare. Uh, it's a five-cylinder engine, makes a, a very unique sound, kind of a pop-pop sound, almost like a Harley-Davidson. But um, they're rare. There's not, a many, there's not many of them around. Um, when there are people who do have parts for for uh, Kenner engines, they tend to hoard them a little bit. They don't want to sell them, and it's we're really having trouble finding someone that will overhaul the engines. There's been a shop out in California that's kind of been the premier shop for years, but they're um, kind of in the process of getting out of the business. And in the uh, the PT22 world, on all the websites and the Ryan. Uh, fan club uh, that's the big discussion these days is who's going to overhaul the engines and um, what's that going to look like for us for the future our engine runs great the airplane performs very well uh, the engine currently has uh, about 650 hours on it we don't have any trouble with it at all but uh, these engines on average they say uh, you know 750 to maybe 900 hours is what you're going to get out of these engines so 
we have to start thinking about uh, right now what we're going to do uh, to get the engine overhaul, if we even can. Uh, and part of our thought process is while the shop in California says they'll do them right now, we may send this one off a little bit earlier to get it done, just because if we wait much longer, the opportunity to get it done, it just may not be there. So that's our, that's our really big concern for the future is, is the engine. Great. Um, as, as folks are, are watching tonight, I forgot to mention at the top of the broadcast, if you have uh, any questions for uh, for Jeremy about the PT-22 or the Razorback Wing, uh, just type them in the comment uh, box if you're on uh, Facebook or uh, YouTube. Just type those in there, and uh, Leah Block is uh, monitoring those, and she'll uh, forward the questions to us uh, as, as we go on this evening. So just want to let folks know that if uh, something pops up, you, you, geez, gee, I'm wondering about, just let us know. We'd love to uh, hear from you and uh, answer your questions. Yeah, that sounds great, uh, Steve, and I'll certainly do my best to answer. And so that's kind of where we are now. And so uh, I thought I'd talk a little bit about, about how we got where we are, a little history of the Razorback Wing and what's happened. You can't really talk much about, well, the Commemorative Air Force at all or uh, any flying in Arkansas unless you talk about some of the history in some Arkansas aviation. The, the terrible picture you see right here of the, what appear to be uh, I think those are P-40 Warhawks uh, standing on their nose to save space is at Walnut Ridge Army uh, Flying School, uh, which was in, um, it's in north central Arkansas, which became one of the depots and one of the places where uh, military aircraft after World War II were destroyed, uh, basically put in smelters, melted down. There's rumors that there's they just dug big holes and buried airplanes up there. Uh, that there, there was at one time 10,000 surplus airplanes there. So, you know, here in Arkansas, I think we're certainly part of the uh, Commemorative Air Force's mission and the reason the Commemorative Air Force was actually started to save some of the airplanes from this process. Um, Walnut Ridge Army Airfield is still up there. It's Savannah Airport now. Uh, if you're ever up, up this way, great fuel stops, several runways, and there's a museum there now kind of honoring the history of the airport and uh, and what all went on there. But, again, just more pictures of uh, Walnut Ridge uh, and the airplanes that were there at the time. Just, uh, like I said, thousands and thousands of them being uh, destroyed here in Arkansas. So the, uh, there was a Razorback Wing uh, previous to us. Uh, we started the Razorback Wing back up in about 2017. Uh, the Razorback Wing came along, I would say, about the mid-70s, and they lasted previously up until the early 90s. Uh, they were down uh, south of Little Rock, a place called Pine Bluff, Grider Field, which was another um, World War II Army training base. Uh, they were a very active squadron. Uh, this is a picture uh, out of a book that I have, and this is one of the air shows they put on there at Pine Bluff. Um, they had an air show there 17 consecutive years put on by the Commander of Air Force, and you can see in the picture there some pretty heavy hitters. Uh, Fifi there, um, kind of middle left of the screen, you see the Corsair Angel of Okinawa, um, Tora, Tora, Tora folks there. The, uh, the Razorback Wing, again, very popular wing, had a lot going on. Uh, during the time, I believe they had a Stearman 
they had a PT-19, and they had an A-26 Invader. Uh, I don't remember the name of it when they had it. It's the one that uh, recently flew, I believe it was this year for the first time again, which was uh, it's out there in Guthrie, Oklahoma. I believe they call it Little Twister now. But uh, that was the Razorback Swing uh, A-26. Um, so the early 90s, for whatever reason, uh, the Razorback Wing kind of shut down. And not much activity out of that for about 25 years. And uh, back in 2017, I was at a I was at a fly-in or a, a gathering and met some folks, and they started talking about putting the Razorback Wing back together and uh, seeing what we could do. It so we had a few few meetings and see if we could get some interest, and we did. And uh, again, we're moving along from there. We got the wing started and got the PT22 uh, assigned. So I mentioned earlier, uh, Steve, that I've been a big fan of the webinar and having a picture to prove it. So I kind of have two, kind of made want to make two points about this uh, picture. Number one, uh, I think it was a few months ago you had Matt Yonkin on, and Matt was telling the story of the first time that he did aerobatics in the Beach 18, and he mentioned that it was following an air show that uh, they, we, they they did kind of in the honor of his father a missing man formation of all beach 18s or C-45. Well, I was fortunate enough to be invited to fly one of the beach 18s and bring one up to Little Rock to fly in the air show at Fayetteville, Arkansas, uh, and do the missing man formation. And after the show one day, we went up and did a photo shoot. Uh, this was shot by uh, Scott Slocum that ended up in a magazine. But uh, So this is that actual event that Matt Yonkin was talking about, that after this event, he went out and did his first aerobatics in the beach 18 and course we all know where he's gone on to from there so it kind of tells that story a little bit but also kind of brings up that you know we we went for a long time without a cf wing in arkansas but there's a lot of warbirds around in arkansas again several beach 18s um several t6s stearmans around so there's been a big warbird activity in arkansas for years but we didn't really have a cf wing uh to kind of go along with it so Hopefully, we've been able to remedy that now and start a TF wing, get more folks involved. So there she is. That's uh, Miss Cherie. That's our uh, PT-22 that we have assigned to us here in Arkansas, uh, based at the North Little Rock Airport there. We have a, a humble uh, uh, hangar uh, that we have, and uh, we're very fortunate to have it. It's a great airplane uh, that we got. Uh, I'll kind of go through the process of how we got it, uh, the airplane, and, and got it flying again here in a minute. But uh, it's just a great machine. It was pretty much flyable when we got it, and it has pretty much been flyable uh, almost every day since then, which has been about uh, about two and a half years. Really a very pretty PT-22, and we'll talk a bit about the history of this particular airplane, which we're, we're very fortunate to have the history of that air, this airplane. So one of the previous owners uh, the airplane hasn't been in the caf all that long um so it was really out in the civilian world after its military history up until uh i want to say 2012 2013 time frame um so the airplane was an army uh air corps pt-22 it uh was delivered to um the army airfield there in
Vidalia, California, after it was built. Uh, it was delivered uh, March 25th of 1942 uh, at a cost of $8,581. Uh, it spent its entire military career there at the Army Airfield in Visalia, California, uh, training students. Um, so one of the previous owners did write to the Smithsonian, got the military records of the airplane, and was able to receive its, its history uh, in the military. Um, it did about 503 hours of flight training there at uh, Visalia, training primary students uh, for the Army Air Corps. Uh, this is what they call the card, the uh, military card, and it's pretty much its complete military history from, again, the day it was delivered to uh, Visalia, uh, California, to the day it was uh, sold uh, as surplus. It was involved in one land or one one accident uh, while it was uh, serving in the military. Uh, this is the uh, the accident report. A, uh, a student was out. Uh, his name was uh, Albert Morton. He was an aviation cadet. Had uh, the number four cylinder exhaust valve stem broke. He had engine failure. Uh, luckily, he was able to, to land the aircraft uh, successfully with uh, no damage. A uh, little more information on the accident there, and again, the information that was gathered by the Army Air Corps uh, about that ac accident. So this is the very first bill of sale of the airplane out into the civilian world. So again, from 1942 until 1945, our aircraft uh, was there at Visalia, California, training military pilots. It was then sold into the uh, civilian world uh, for about $500. I'm sorry, I miss, got that misspoke there. I believe it says $800, about $875. The aircraft was sold into the civilian world. And that's where it spent, uh, really, I will say, the, the rest of its time. It went through several different owners, mostly out west, uh, California, Arizona, uh, continuing to fly up until about 1957 when one of the owners decided they wanted to uh, take the airplane apart and rebuild it. Unfortunately, that didn't go all that fast, or maybe fortunately that didn't go all that fast. And so the airplane was taken apart in 1957 and didn't fly again until 1990. Uh, when it was the restoration was completed, uh, the person that rebuilt it claims it's 99% of the original parts of the airplane. Uh, they did a really, really good job. The fabric work on the wings is really beautiful. Uh, and just It's really a pretty airplane. The airplane was then eventually donated, uh, went to a couple more owners, but was eventually donated to the Commemorative Air Force. And it was out uh, in Virginia at the old, I think it's called the Old Dominion Wing that was out there. They had it, they had a couple of other, other airplanes. Uh, and then uh, mid-2010 time frame, I think that uh, that unit went away or, or was doing something else. And the PT-22 was flown back to Dallas to the headquarters and set in uh, in one of the hangars there in Dallas for several years without flying. So um, again, about the time 2017 time frame, uh, the Razorback wing starts back up. We kind of petition or put in to get an airplane, and this uh, beautiful PT-22 is the aircraft we were assigned. And this is what it looked like the day that we first saw it. So 
Um, we had only had one member who had flown a PT-22 before, um, much uh, as a teenager, uh, really not very much though. And so the rest of us really didn't, didn't know much about them. Um, at that time frame, I was the only A&P mechanic in the wing. And so it was kind of up to me to figure out what we needed to do to go to Dallas from Little Rock, which is about a six hour drive, take the tools we need and learn enough about this airplane to, to get it going, get an annual done on it, uh, get checked on the airplane and get it back to Arkansas. Fortunately, there's a great support group for the PT-22s. There's the Ryan Club. Of course, they've gone to the Facebook page now and um, really easy to get a hold of people. But in a lot of the, the information that I found on the PT-22 uh, in doing research, and I'd already gotten the log books for this aircraft uh, sent to me along with some other documents, there was one name that I kept seeing in there. It was a guy named Terry Friedman. And Terry's a PT-22 owner, and he's also a member of the Inland Empire Wing out in California. And uh, I just picked up the phone one day and called Terry, told him who I was, told him what I was trying to do, that I was going to have to go and do an annual on a PT-22 in Dallas. I didn't do anything about him. And uh, I was going to try to get it flying and get it back to Arkansas. And since then, uh Terry has been wonderful. Uh, while I, on our every trip we spent going to Dallas, I had Terry uh, Terry on speed dial, if that's a thing anymore. Uh, but he was always great about answering questions. Has been a wealth of information. Uh, also, the uh, Minnesota Wing they have a PT twenty two. I was able to get a hold of them, get a lot of their documents, their annual checklist that they do on their aircraft. And so I just kind of started putting these things uh, together as to what might need to be done to this airplane to get it flying. I knew that it flew into Dallas and actually flew around the area a little bit before it was parked uh, and set for a few years. But that's pretty much what it looked like the first time we saw it in the back of the hangar there at headquarters. <clears throat> so this is our very first trip down there. We ended up making uh, five trips to, uh, to headquarters before we were able to fly it home. That's me down there taking a picture of it. I was still in the military at the time and was fortunate enough to actually have a training flight going down to Dallas uh, that was actually going into uh, Dallas Executive Airport where their uh, CAF headquarters is and I thought, well, this is a great time to go get a first look at the airplane. So went down there and just started taking pictures of it, trying to see what we had to see if we even had an airplane that we could uh, fly out of there. That's me taking a look at the inside of it. Uh, there I am inverted in a PT-22. Um, just trying to look, again, look over the airplane to see what I thought we needed to, to get the airplane going. What was your uh, we, what was your first impression when you when you when you walked up to the airplane? I, I, it was it was a good impression. It was hey, this airplane it's all here. Uh, it's not sitting on flat tires. Um, there's not a big puddle of anything underneath it, and it looked like an airplane that uh, we could uh, definitely get flying. Um, David Oliver was the person who picked up the airplane from the old Dominion squadron and actually flew it to Dallas. And, uh, he was pretty confident in the airplane. He's like, Hey, you know, you guys get that thing started. He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm confident that it'll fly. And, and he was right. So, uh, we had that first initial trip down there, uh, just to look at the airplane, see what we thought of it and make sure that it was something we could, we could tackle. This is a picture from the second trip. Um, took, uh, I believe there was three of us. Uh, we actually jumped in an airplane, flew to Dallas for the day, 
change the oil on the airplane, uh, pulled it outside uh, to see if we could we could get it started. Um, the uh, the PT twenty two, at least the Razorback wing PT twenty two, does not have a starter. Doesn't have an electrical system. We do have a small battery that we run the radios with, but uh, it's an airplane you have to hand prop. Um, also, it doesn't have a primer on. So trying to learn how to hand prop this airplane and get it started, especially for an airplane that doesn't have a primer on it, was uh, was pretty challenging. It took a couple calls to, uh, again, to Terry Friedman out there in California, talk us through the process a little bit. But once we got it right, it, uh, it fired right off. Uh, this is a picture here from the very first engine run. You probably see some uh, some oil that spit out there on the ground, but uh, we got it started and it just ran and, and sounded beautiful. And we ran it up the first time and uh, it sounded great. So, for those who, who, who don't uh, or are not real familiar with, with aircraft engines, I mean, uh, being able to prime an engine to get it started is, is pretty much standard procedure. So how does the start uh, procedure for the PT-22 differ from, from most other airplanes that, that do have a primer, aside from the fact that someone's got to swing the prop out front? Yeah, we, exactly. So the, the process is uh, obviously one person in the cockpit uh, and someone outside, and the person in the cockpit will pump the throttle several times. There's an accelerator pump on those engines. It's kind of get some fuel into the carburetor, and then with the magnetos ignition system still off, the, uh, the person outside will pull the propeller through several times uh, at it's it's a it's a it's a dangerous process in the fact that we are out there out there pulling that propeller through. Uh, again, we're, we're as cautious as we can as we can be with it. But the, the part of this process is you have to do it relatively fast to get some fuel uh, and air mixture sucked up into those cylinders. So it's a it's a it's a balance and act of, of safety and caution. Um, compared with trying to do it rapidly enough to get some fuel up in those cylinders. So we pump it five times, pull the propeller through rapidly about five times, and then we do three pumps and then pull it through about another three times. Then we kind of get the propeller set in a good spot, and um, the ignition's turned on. The person outside just pulls the prop, prop through one time, and if everything's done right, this aircraft starts really, really easy, which is good and bad. It's it's good that it starts easy for us, but it's bad that it, uh, if the ignition is left on or if the process isn't done right, this is an airplane that can really, really hurt you hand propping. So we, uh, we tend to be very, very cautious with this process. So that was trip number two. We got it started, realized that the airplane, again, was something we could uh, we could make work. And now came trip number three, where we took a different group. Four of us uh, drove down to Dallas again. This was after several uh, several weeks of me and others thinking, okay, now let's go down and let's do the annual on the airplane. We, we, um, we came, up, came upon an IA that would sign the annual off for us if we would go down there and do the work and, and do the paperwork. So we go down there on, on trip three uh, with, with again bring all the tools that we need, all the rags, oil, any anything we think of that we can need to do this process. Uh, again, away from home base, uh, go down there uh, and start working on. It. We our, our plan on this trip was to do the annual, have it signed off, me uh, to get checked out in the airplane, and us to fly it home all in a matter of about three days. So. Um, this is a guy named Chris Smallman down there uh, working on the airplane. Uh, this is myself, another guy named Patrick Clayton, doing more work on the airplane. Uh, you can see that's the 
the uh, headquarters hangar there. And this is where that that, uh, that trip kind of came to the end. Um, so get most of the annual done and plugs clean and decide. We uh, obviously do a compression check, and we had uh, a low cylinder um, on the on the aircraft. So I believe that's the number two cylinder. Uh, of course, that's David Oliver there with the borescope. Uh, we're trying to figure out what the problem was and just come to find out there there was quite a bit of corrosion inside that cylinder. A lot of it just from the airplane sitting there for several years and not flying in that hot uh, Texas environment with a lot of humidity. So, uh, again, figured out that uh, we weren't going to fly the aircraft on that trip, but um, we pulled that cylinder off. We took it back to Arkansas with us. Got a hold of the shop out in California, uh, Antique Aero Engines is the name of them. Sent the cylinder out to them and had it uh, had it overhauled, which uh, brought up trip number five. Uh, myself and one other guy uh, drove to uh, drove down to Dallas with the cylinder, ready to install it with the same process of let's install it, let's get this thing running, let's get me checked out and get the aircraft back home. So uh, Chris Smallman, and that's his son Tommy, who's a cadet, and our wing uh, down there with me putting the cylinder on the aircraft. Uh, I want to say this was about July, uh, so we were pretty hot and sweating the hangar, but uh, where we get the get the cylinder installed, everything checked out really good, got the aircraft running, uh, jumped in the airplane with David Oliver, went and did some flying in it, and got checked out in the airplane, and we were ready to bring it home, but uh, I don't remember what happened. I don't know if it was weather or we just ran out of time on that trip, and uh, didn't get to fly it home, so we drove back home and came back down for the fifth trip, uh, which was just to bring it home. Drove down one day, picked up the airplane, and flew it back to uh, Arkansas. So this is a picture from that trip. I think uh, that was Chris Smallman and I again, down around Texarkana, heading back to uh, Little Rock, Arkansas. Had a great trip in the airplane. Just did absolutely uh, wonderful. Had a, had a lot of fun. So there we are, uh, just arrived back in Arkansas from our, uh, our long cross country in a PT-22, bringing it to its uh, new home uh, in, uh, in uh, North Little Rock, Arkansas, the airport that, uh, that we're at there. So we got it back here, and uh, the key once we got it back was to uh, you know try to get some members, uh, get some more members anyways, get the aircraft uh, out doing some things to help raise money to keep it flying. So there's uh, somewhat of our small uh, wing and our, our humble hangar here in Arkansas. And uh, so uh, our goal now is to keep the airplane flying and uh, take care of it. And uh, we're trying to get in the rides program uh, this, this year. So again, um, now the aircraft's here, we're, we're taking care of it. Uh, it's a beautifully uh, polished airplane. And so keeping it polished uh, and shiny, pretty much a chore. Uh, everyone likes to come up and touch shiny airplanes and, and mention how they must be hard to keep polished. So that's uh, several, several of our members there working on the airplane, shining it up. How long does it take to, uh, actually, to actually shine the, uh, the uh, fuselage? Well, it depends on how many people you have. Um, really not all that long. You know, if you have have three or four folks and some folks out there buffing it can be done in a, in a couple hours uh, of course the the wings of this airplane are, are uh, fabric 
the tail feathers are fabric and so really it's just a fuselage of the airplane it's that shiny uh pretty metal so it's not not too bad uh, another one of our big projects since we've had the airplane is that big, beautiful uh, centenage wood prop, uh, showing its age needed to be um, needed to be revarnished. So that was one of the things that we did this last year was uh, remove the propeller from the airplane and uh, clean it up, sand it down, and revarnish it uh, and balance it again uh, before we put it back on. Uh, really a beautiful. Uh, piece of wood, really a beautiful propeller, uh, and it cleaned up really nice, got it varnished, and put it back on the airplane. There's our balancing process right there. Just hang our bar and put varnish on each side until they, the aircraft sits there level. So, the other thing we've been doing with the airplane, other than just uh, caring for it, is we've got uh, more check more pilots uh, checked out in the airplane so and i got checked out by david oliver down in uh, dallas and then brought it back here and um so this is our first uh, other pilot uh, checked out this is actually my dad uh, jeff lashbrook he had flown pt-22s uh, as um growing up and so uh, i was an instructor yet so he went down to i believe it's the galveston uh, wing, uh, I think that's right. No, Brownsville. There's a PT-22 at Brown Brownsville, and we had got a hold of them, and he went down there for a long weekend, did some flying with them in their PT-22, and got checked out. And so uh, then he was able to, to help uh, with events. Uh, he and I both ended up becoming the two instructors in the airplane, and so uh, we've been getting more folks checked out. That was our next... Uh, Go ahead, Steve. Yeah, I was just wondering how many pilots you have uh, checked out in the airplane now. Right now we have five. Yeah, so uh, been been pretty fortunate to have some folks uh, interested in wanting to sponsor the airplane and come uh, help take care of it and show the airplane. Uh, this is our third pilot checked out. This is uh, Tom Gillibo. Uh, he's an Air Force C-130 pilot at the Little Rock Air Force Base. Um, he just happened to come out to a flying event at the airport and we met him and he showed some interest and met, met the requirements to get checked out. And so he was, he was our third. Uh, next that's uh, Matt Anderson. Um, and so interesting thing about the check ride for the checkout for Matt Anderson, you see him holding a piece of paper there. We, uh, we were able to do his single engine commercial uh, check ride uh, in, along with his checkout in the airplane. So, his check out of the airplane, his final check flight was his also his commercial single engine land uh, check ride that we were able to get for him in the airplane. So kind of a neat way to add a, uh, a rating to a, to a certificate. And of course, that's what the airplane was built for, training pilots, Absolutely. right? Absolutely, yeah, sure was. Uh, this is our last pilot that uh, we got uh, checked out. Uh, that's Rob Lashbrook, uh, and he uh, set an event up in uh, Mount Pettyjean here in Arkansas. He took it up there for us uh, this last year. So, of the five, that's, so that's the five folks we've been able to check out this last couple of years. Uh, had a lot of interest of, uh, with the airplane that people wanted to see it, and uh, it's helped us get some members and uh, draw some interest in our wing. Um, 
an interesting thing about our all five of our pilots uh, that we have right now, certainly not the goal, but it just happens to be they're all U.S. military veterans. Uh, every single one of them uh, is currently a military pilot or was a military pilot of some sort. So all five of our uh, Razorback Queen pilots are actually military veterans. Uh, four of us are Army and uh, one is uh, Air Force. This is a real B&H customer story. Stephanie Davis came to B&H to take her photography to the next level. She's an artist by choice, pizza maker by birth, and B&H customer for life. Am I missing anything here? Teacher, entrepreneur, product designer, and a photographer. And a restaurateur. I forgot that part. Impressive. Steph, I gotta be honest, I don't know where to look first. Is that a microscope? Yeah, that's my uh, trinocular axiolab, and that's what I use to make bioart. Bioart? What's that? Bioart is where science and art meet. Amazing. So what came first, the camera or the microscope? So first came the microscope, then the camera, and thankfully that's where B&H stepped in. When I first went to B&H trying to find a camera for my microscope, I thought it was a little oddball request, but turns out they've done this before and they knew exactly what I was looking for. What's great about working with people at B&H is that they use the gear that they're selling you. So what are you looking at now? Cheese, sauce, peppers, onions, olives, pizza toppings. Hmm, I'm sensing a theme here. Uh, yeah, my family started a pizza restaurant in 1960. Whoa, 60 years of pizza, what's the secret? We use cheddar cheese. Huh. Okay, so what's next for you, Steph? I want to take this tiny thing that I've been looking at and blow it up using projectors. I just have to figure out what equipment I need. I like where this is going. So, B&H, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna talk again. Steph, we're always here when you need us. And be sure to save me a slice. For your next project, head to the experts at bnh.com. Oh yeah, I've definitely put him under the microscope. <laughs> Cat fur looks crazy. <laughs> So the uh, the Air Force so pilot is the uh, is the Air Force pilot is the odd man out then right? Oh, absolutely, yes, yeah, and we we make sure that he's he's aware of that. Um, so yeah, so other than taking care of the airplane, uh, getting folks checked out in the airplane, we're also uh, attending events. Uh, we were able to participate. This is our first event we did with the airplane uh, up in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Uh, they have. Um, it's called Bikes, Blues, and Barbecue. But the uh, B-24, B-29 squadron has come to that event the last several years, and they call it uh, Bikes, Bombers, and Barbecue. So they were coming to Fayetteville, Arkansas with the B-24, the B-29, and the uh, and the, the Stearman, along with uh, Gunfighter, uh, which they're also. Uh, we're able to kind of tag along, participate in that event, and uh, we really weren't set up to do rides or anything, but it was really nice to have the airplane there, have the public, public come out and see it, and have Razorback Wing members there to talk about the airplane. So, really exciting event. We're really proud to be uh, be part of that. Uh, we also participated this last summer in what's called Wings Over Bryant, uh, Bryant, Arkansas, which is about oh, 20 miles southwest of Little Rock had an air show uh, this year, 
and uh, we were invited to bring the PT-22 over and uh, not only have the static display, but also participate in kind of a parade of warbirds uh, for the event. Uh, really nice, uh, really nice event. Glad to be there. You also see a T6, T28 down there. Those, uh, those aircraft were also both flown by members of our Razorback Wing. Those are member-owned uh, aircraft. Uh, but uh, we kind of all kind of came together with the, with those airplanes to participate in the event. And so this, some of these pictures are to show that, uh, you know, this PT-22 has had a great life, but uh, we like to say that it's really living some of its best life right now. There's a picture of the PT-22 starting up for Wings Over Brian Air Show uh, out the, looking out the window of the T-6. And, of course, you see the Aeroshell Squadron T-6 is down there. So we're really getting to participate in some really neat uh, events with this aircraft. Another really good one there of uh, the PT taxing out with uh, a Mustang behind it, T6. This picture was taken out of the T28. And, of course, a Cub uh, up there in front of it. So, again, uh, we're really going to do some great things uh, with this airplane. Yeah, and there's our crew, uh, the Razorback Wing, that uh, participated in, in that event. Uh, this is our most recent event we participated in. Uh, this was a, a Vans RV fly-in up on uh, Mount Pettyjean in, um, uh, I'll say, west-central Arkansas, a little bit south of Russellville, Arkansas. Nice little airstrip up on a mountain there where the RV guys come together every year and have a big fly-in. Uh, they invite us to come to, to their event to show the airplane and uh, participate, bring our own uh, PX. We gave a couple of rides uh, for them just to some, some folks that had, had volunteered their time with the, uh, with the RV event. And it was really nice. We actually were able to take a, a lady for a ride who was a writer for uh, Barnstormers uh, magazine. And she wrote a really nice article for us on the, the PT-22 and the Razorback Wing. So kind of made some headway there with a little bit of uh, marketing for us. And uh, she, took these, she took these pictures for us and really got some good pictures. So there's the PT-22 going out for a ride flight just for a, uh, a volunteer. Uh, and we're really glad that we were able to get to do that. And, and like I mentioned, um, we are working on getting in the rides program. We've pretty much done everything that uh, we needed need to do we're just waiting on some FA paperwork to come back from headquarters. Of course, um, you know, winter in Arkansas is really not the best time for PT-22 flying or any open cockpit uh, flying. So, as you can see, it's really a very it's a very seasonal airplane. So, our goal is to uh, have everything set up and be on the ride program starting uh, about April when our, our flying season kind of starts again. Um, it's really a rare airplane. Uh, you know, there's a lot of wonderful warbirds the CAF has uh, in the rides program that people can go for a ride in. There's not many PT-22s out there uh, out giving rides. So we're really hoping that this is going to be uh, a way to help us maintain the aircraft. Right now, we're, we're solely maintaining the aircraft via the uh, sponsorships from the pilots, um, some donations uh, and members of the CAF squadron. So uh, the donations for us are really important because that's really all we can do right now until we 
kind of test the waters with the ride ride program and hopefully that's going to help support the airplane and help maybe raise uh some money uh for that the engine overhaul that's right and of course plays into uh, why we're talking about the airplane uh, tonight as uh, part of the 12 planes of christmas as you alluded to uh, earlier you'd like to get that uh radio uh, stack in the in the airplane uh, up to date with uh, necessary equipment like adsb that you need to fly in uh, complex uh, airspace and if you'd like to uh, support the airplane uh, you can do that uh, support caf.org is the uh, website go there uh, search for the pt-22 you'll you'll see it and uh, go ahead and uh, we'd love for you to make a donation and help push them over their over the top over their goal and uh, maybe get a little little start on uh, that uh, engine uh, overhaul fund as well again that's supportcaf.org and uh again it's uh, it's a wonderful airplane and as you mentioned uh earlier there's not too many of these that uh, are, are still around it was not um not one of the more mass-produced trainers of uh, world war ii but uh, still about a thousand or so that were uh manufactured do you have an idea of how many are still uh, around in airworthy condition the DQ Chicken Strip Basket, now with house-made Hidden Valley Ranch, is a ranch dream come true. When you dream of juicy, all-white meat chicken strips, crispy golden fries, buttery Texas toast, and house-made Hidden Valley Ranch. You heard that right. House-made Hidden Valley Ranch. So follow your ranch dreams straight to your DQ for the Chicken Strip Basket. DQ. Happy tastes good. Get it delivered at DQ.com. Why are so many aviation and aerospace companies locating in Greater Fort Lauderdale? We lead the skies in aviation recruitment with tremendous opportunity for private and commercial pilots, airport management and air traffic control. Three major international airports, seven executive airports, and more than 46,000 aviation workers in the region create a perfect environment for aviation companies. The workforce is abundant, affordable, and well-educated. We have degrees and certifications in everything from aviation maintenance and technology to avionics and business aviation. Our leading programs in aerospace engineering, propulsion, spacecraft design, and orbital mechanics put us at the forefront of the next space race. With 35... Uh, no, Steve, I don't. I, I would... You know, I'm, I would estimate uh, probably less than probably less than a hundred. Uh, you know, and, and okay, well, everybody, that was our episode, uh, our final episode of Military Trainers slash Aerobatic Aircraft Month 2022. Uh, we're gonna be wrapping up. Uh, we're gonna be putting it to bed for a little while. Um, I cannot wait for next year. Next year is gonna be even awesome. It's gonna be even funner. So everybody, uh, make sure to follow me on Instagram, uh, Podcast. Subscribe to my YouTube channel, Braden Pascopa, and we will see you guys next time here on the Stumpling Podcast. So long for now, everyone.